Hello, I'm Will Sampson. Welcome to the Woodworking Network Podcast. Welcome to the Woodworking Network Podcast, where we explore the business of woodworking and what it takes to succeed. I'm Will Sampson. This episode is sponsored by the Executive Briefing Conference. Today, my guest is Amanda Conger from the Cabinet Makers Association with more survey data on small to medium-sized professional shops. But before we get to Amanda, I want to start off talking about what's it worth? When woodworkers change from making things for fun to making things to sell and make money, the fundamental question they have to ask is, what's it worth? Unfortunately, a heck of a lot of woodworkers have no clue how to answer that question. The first thing they have to resolve is how much the product takes to produce, and very few woodworkers do what it takes to really enumerate all of the costs. That's partly because they just don't know. Oh, sure, they know the cost of wood and other materials they use, but they rarely consider the true cost of sourcing those materials. They also rarely account for waste. If they actually keep good records of time and labor, they might know how much production labor went into a product or project, but too often they don't keep track and just guess. They guess in advance, underestimating the time required, and they don't record the actual time and took for a, real, for a good reality check after the work is done. So we've already got the materials and labor wrong. What else can we get wrong? That brings us to perhaps the most challenging part of figuring your costs, and that's overhead. What's overhead? Well, it's the cost of everything that it takes to keep your business running, except for costs associated directly to a product's labor and materials. That means overhead includes obvious things like your building rent, utilities, waste management expenses. But it also means insurance, non-production staff, such as sales and administration. It should include all of your marketing costs, such as maintaining a website and a physical showroom, internet costs, attendance at an, as an exhibitor at any trade shows you might do. Overhead also includes employee benefits, which typically add more than 30% to the cost of wages for employees. There are also a lot of things that could be included in production, but might be more convenient to just lump into your overhead calculations. These include consumables such as glue and abrasives, machine maintenance parts and labor, tooling and sharpening expenses, safety equipment, training and hiring expenses, clothing and uniforms, if you provide those. Then there are overhead expenses that you should be making to protect your future. Are you investing in research and development of new products or ways of making them? Do you have a budget for machine replacement? Do you have a rainy day fund for unforeseen expenses? So now you have a rough idea of all the costs to consider, but that still doesn't answer what's it worth. Some shops ignore the costs and price their work to be competitive with similar work in their market. In essence, they are simply pricing for the market and just hoping that they can make a profit at that level. This can go really wrong. Let me tell you a story. A hardware salesman in Southern California told me how he once had visited a small shop. At one point in the conversation, it came up 
that the shop owner was charging only $50 a linear foot for his cabinets. Granted, this was years ago, but it was still a ridiculously low price even then. Flabbergasted, the salesman asked the shop owner if he was sure that was the right price for his cabinets. The shop owner replied that he knew it was the right price because it was the same price as the guy up the street charged. Well, now the salesman was really flummoxed. So he cold called on the guy up the street just to satisfy his morbid curiosity. The guy up the street seemed competent and the salesman maneuvered the conversation around to the price of cabinets. He said, say, is it really true that you charge only $50 a foot for your cabinets? The shop owner looked at the salesman kind of funny and replied, well, yeah, for the uppers. In other words, the first shop owner was blindly giving away his base cabinets. In today's market, custom cabinets can easily run more than $500 per foot or even past $1,000 per foot. And by the way, don't get caught pricing by the foot, but that's a talk for another day. The difference in the price of cabinets is rarely just in materials and labor. This is where we start to get to the heart of the question. What's it worth? The trick is that the only person who can answer that question is the buyer. The only value that counts is value as seen from the buyer's viewpoint. It doesn't matter what value you bring to the project if the customer does not appreciate or understand that value. This is where time you invest in educating customers can pay off big in their willingness to pay more. It's where your reputation for quality and service can add to the bottom line. It's also where your knowledge of the market can help put your products in the profitability range. In the final analysis, the question really isn't, what's it worth? The question is, what are you worth to your customers? While we're talking about value, one thing I've seen that helps shops add value is when they discover the power of information and networking. As mentioned before, our sponsor today is the Executive Briefing Conference, which is a superior opportunity to learn, be inspired, and have face-to-face -face interchanges with top leaders in the industry. This year's EBC will be held at the spectacular Broadmoor in Colorado Springs. In addition to top speakers and presentations, there also will be tours of Concepts and Millwork and the Mill Woodworking Training Facility. It's an unparalleled opportunity to obtain business intelligence to improve your enterprise. Learn more at executivebriefingconference.com. Continuing the discussion of costs and what you and your products are worth, I'd like to bring back Amanda Conger, Executive Director of the Cabinet Makers Association, with more information from the annual CMA Benchmark Survey. One of the things that I've followed over the years is the slow rise in hourly shop rates. Um, the biggest segment in this year's survey was from $51 to $75 an hour. That still seems pretty low, isn't it, across the board? Yes. And the number you're referring to is the billable hourly shop rate, you know, how right. much they charge. And I agree, it's quite low. And we see this 
across the board that many of these small shops don't understand the cost it takes to make their products, the true cost, or the value their products have, so they're not pricing accordingly. Uh, it's one of the many topics we include in our educational sessions. That's great. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I know that in the, the talks that I give on pricing and things like that, that uh, there's an awful lot of folks that just are not calculating uh, full realistic numbers for overhead. Uh, and Not they just don't realize everything that goes into what it takes to keep the doors open. I mean, I still see shops that report having, you know, billable hourly shop rates of $25 an hour. I, I don't care if you live in the middle of nowhere. I don't think in today's economy that you can pay your overhead at $25 an hour. Yeah. Even if you have a single man shop operating a garage, you have more than that for right. You know, you know, you're just you're you know, even if it's the garage in your house, still the portion of your taxes uh, and utilities and all that that go to that part of the building, mm -hmm. it, it's got to be more than twenty five dollars an hour. Yeah, you have to count, and that's the stuff that they don't count, and they think, oh, I've, that's paid for, or that's not my shop, or no, you have to count it whether or not you know. And that's one of our good seminars that we give it's about pricing and it goes into every detail everything you have to include and there's a lot on there that people were not aware of or just didn't think to include i i know that i sat in on on one of uh sean benetton's mm -hmm. uh, talks who sean was a, a past president of the the cma and he goes into incredible detail in figuring out uh the the overhead and one of the things i really like about his uh, talk is that it also puts a value on the owner based on the all of the tasks that the owner does and what those tasks would be worth if you had to hire somebody right. to do those things. And that, I think, gives folks a better idea of what they're actually worth and what they should be charging. Which sort of brings to one of the things that I found was very interesting about the survey is that uh, uh, when they reported their annual income, I think there's a public misperception that woodworkers are mostly like starving artists, but more than half of the benchmark survey respondents reported six-figure incomes. Um, are small shop owners getting more business-like and making more money? It sure seems that way, doesn't it? I think it's been that way for the past two years in the six figures, so that's great. And I think it's great news for our industry, and it should be touted more in the recruitment of the next generation of workers. Absolutely. We need to, we need to make woodworking an attractive career and money talks, you know? Oh, absolutely. I, I remember uh, I was uh, years ago trying to uh, help save a local school woodworking program, and I talked to uh, uh, Board of Education, and, and the uh, school board members just looked at me blankly when I was telling them that, you know, even a half-decent uh, cabinet shop owner ought to be making six figures and, mm -hmm. and talking about, you know, computerized uh, equipment and CNC. They they just have this, this view of, of manufacturing as Still being somehow antiquated and low tech and and dirty and dangerous and and the only people that do woodworking are starving artists and it yeah. just isn't so. 
No, and it's a combo now of the craft of woodworking and the business side of the business, um, which is a great combination for any person who's entering the uh, workforce. It's not a factory job as, as what people would perceive it to be. No, and, and you know, even, uh, you know, people look at a CNC machine and, and say, oh, a guy just needs to push a button there and it'll do it. But you, there's a lot of creativity and craftsmanship in programming and figuring out how uh, you're going to construct things uh, so that they work efficiently with CNC manufacturing. It's it's not uh, just cookie cutter stuff. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure that we will have you back on the program uh, another time, Amanda, because there's lots of interesting information from uh, not just the survey, but keeping tabs on what the Cabinet Makers Association is up to. Uh, if folks are interested in the Cabinet Makers Association, you can go online and learn more at cabinetmakers.org. Uh, and uh thank you again for coming on to our program, Amanda. I appreciate well, it. Thank you, Will, for having me. I really appreciate it. So hopefully we can talk more in the future. Sounds great. You can find all of our podcasts at woodworkingnetwork.com and in popular podcast channels. Thanks again to today's sponsor, the Executive Briefing Conference. If you have a comment or topic you'd like us to explore, contact me at will.sampson.com at woodworkingnetwork.com. Thanks for listening.